0: Steven. Radio.
1: Sean Hyken, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing, man?
0: Doing all right. What's going on?
1: Uh, well, the NBA is coming back uh, this week. So what's uh, let's do a general vibe check just on you. Um, what, what's the level of excitement for you about the return of the NBA?
0: You know, I'm conflicted about it because i i am excited that it's back and i'm not one of these people that thinks they should have never restarted because i just i understand that the nba is a business and it does seem like especially when you compare it to baseball that they are doing it the right way and they actually have put some thought into how to keep it safe and we just saw this morning that they released another round of test results that are zero positives so it seems like what they're doing is actually working but at this point for myself and just for my own purposes I just want them to get through this next three months without the bubble falling apart and then see what's going on with COVID at that point and see what next season might look like and whether I'll be able to start going back to arenas again. I'm much more concerned about that. Like it honestly has not been that hard for me to not have NBA games to write about the last four months. I've, it has not been that hard. Like if you're creative enough, it's not that hard to find other angles to take and other things to write about. But the thing I really miss about it is going to games and just, like, talking to people and, you know, just having that kind of social aspect of, you know, catching up with team staffers and finding out things and just kind of doing digging on bigger stories that you can't really do with these Zoom availabilities. I'm sure you've been on some of these, too, and it's just really, like, if you have any feature questions or you have anything that's not just, like, deeper than just kind of the group stuff, this is just really not the most ideal setup, and I get that they have to do this right now because that they're trying to keep people safe, but I'm I'm just hoping they get through the next three months without the whole thing falling apart. That's kind of where I'm
1: at. Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to say there's zero chance if they're planning on starting next season in December. I cannot see any way they can do it, especially like you mentioned with baseball, like they're going to have to do it in some kind of bubble. But I feel like they're going to have to shorten the season because there's no way they can run an 82 game regular season in a bubble.
0: Well, here's the thing. I think they should shorten next season if they're going to start it in December because you have to eventually get back onto the normal schedule of starting in October and ending in June. But I just don't see – they're not going to try to do a shorter season because they're already losing so much money from not having gate receipts. They're going to get as many games of TV revenue as they can, so they're going to try to do an 82-game season no matter what just for – from a financial standpoint i would be stunned if the season actually starts in december because here's what i have read everything i've read would suggest that there is a good chance that there's going to be a vaccine by december or january everything i've read makes it seem like did you
1: get that off uh did you get that off michael porter jr's ig story though
0: No, I did not. I mean, I, I, I did not. I actually actually got that from Dwight Howard, not from Michael Porter. So just, uh, just, but, but everything I've read is that there's going to be a vaccine by December or January. But the thing is, it's not just oh, they have a vaccine that's approved by the FDA that works, and now we can go back to normal. It's going to take a while for them to produce enough of the vaccine and distribute it enough so that everybody can get it. And who, like, who's going to get it first? I would think that the people who are going to get it first are like healthcare workers, people who work at grocery stores and restaurants who come into contact with a bunch of people, and maybe people who are older or have health conditions who are at a higher risk. Those are the people that are going to get it first, and those are the people that should get it first. So I think it's probably going to be a few months after the vaccine is approved that regular people like you and I, who don't have any reason to be at the front of the line, are going to actually be able to get it. And before then, like I just it's hard for me to see things getting back to normal so i would be shocked if they actually start the season in december i would say probably february or march is more likely
1: yeah if they time it with the vaccine then i think that makes sense um because the other way they could do it is obviously just start the season uh in empty arenas and then maybe by the playoffs uh, they can have like the arenas at half capacity but i think a lot of it is going to depend on how like the mlb plays out um and we can talk about that and also the NFL, I think the NFL has just been like pretending up until like this week when they canceled preseason that like uh, there's no pandemic. Like they're still letting fans in. Right.
0: Well, that's on brand for the NFL. The NFL always just kind of acts like the rules don't apply to them. <laughs> but with baseball, I'm I, I was sh- for the whole time. I said I would be shocked if the baseball season is actually able to play out, because even if they're playing in empty ballparks with no fans, teams still have to travel from one city to another and they have to stay in hotels that aren't like the NBA where the NBA players are the only people at the hotel. And so they're not coming into contact with outsiders. I just don't see how that's going to be possible for them to finish the season. And I think that the season would have been shut down already if it was any team besides the Marlins that had the outbreak. Cause when it's the Marlins and it's a team that nobody cares about and is not like good or anything or, or not like a team with a lot of fans, you can just say okay, we're just going to reschedule their games and we're going to like have those teams that they're supposed to play play other teams and just play out the rest of the schedule and it's fine. We can just like get them out of there and just move on. If this was the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers that had a huge outbreak the whole season would have been shut down already.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, we're recording this on like Wednesday afternoon. I honestly legit think I would not be shocked if like the baseball season was like canceled next week. Like I feel like they're like one more outbreak away from it just being done.
0: Well, they're trying to hold out cuz remember what happened The week that everything got canceled in March, a lot of the other leagues were just trying to hold out as long as possible before canceling because, you know, the NBA suspended their season after the Rudy Gobert positive test. But remember earlier that day, uh, the NCAA announced they're going to play the whole tournament without fans. And then the next day after it became clear, like, okay, we just are not going to be able to do anything that's when they finally decided they're going to susp- cancel the tournament. Like These guys are going to hold on as long as possible because they have to make this money, and so I think baseball is going to do the same thing. If they can muddle through the next few weeks and hope that there's not another outbreak of any teams besides the Marlins that you know maybe they'll be able to still do the season and still be able to make most of their money back and it won't be a total loss, but now like I just don't see any way that there's not going to be an outbreak among a, a, a second team
1: yeah, they should just start every game in the ninth inning with a runner on third <laughs> <laughs> and just finish the season in like three that's, weeks.
0: Oh my God, I mean that's I mean, you just play just play double headers every day. That's probably how you because remember they that's what they were talking about doing at the beginning. When in like April, when they were first talking about how to restart the season, they were talking about maybe we'll just play seven inning games and have a doubleheader every day and just play every team play two games every day. And that's just how we're going to have to do it. Like at this point, that might be their best bet to just try to get the whole thing over in a month instead of three months. But I just don't, I don't don't know. Like, this is the thing. Like, it makes you just, as much as like I understand where people are coming from when they talk about how maybe there's some questions about the ethics of the NBA using a whole bunch of testing resources when they're in the middle of the state that has it the worst. But you, when you compare it to baseball and the NFL, you have to give a lot of credit to not only the NBA, but like the WNBA seems like their situation is good. The NHL seems like they have their situation pretty locked down. Both of the soccer leagues, the MLS and the NWSL, the NWSL just finished their tournament. Like they're done. And they had one team, pull out entirely from the tournament before they left because like a bunch of players on the team tested positive and that team just didn't go. But once they actually, the rest of the teams got to the bubble, they didn't have any issues. And then the same thing with the MLS, they had a bunch of players on the Dallas team test positive, right when they got there. But since then they are still going and they had zero positive tests. So doing this bubble thing actually works. And I just don't see how anybody is going to be able to do sports without a vaccine. If they're not in a bubble, that's the whole thing.
1: Yeah. Well, you and uh, Eric Anderson were talking about on your podcast, Bulls versus Blazers, uh, first of many plugs um, about uh, this question, too, of like, I feel like it shouldn't be up to us to, you know, uh, have to like police or feel bad about the ethics of even just like watching sports. Right. Because I feel like a lot of people are really conflicted about this.
0: Well, if somebody really wants to go all the way with it and say, I think it's immoral that the NBA is restarting. So I'm just not going to watch it or engage with it at all. I respect that. Like if that's, if you really want to go all the way with it, I I can't get mad at that. I think that's very principled. But if you're one of these people who has spent the last two months overreacting to every single individual positive test or every single quote from somebody that makes it seem like the NBA has their own financial interest in mind, and then you're just tweeting about the games once it starts, I'm just like, okay, I I see, I see what you you were just kind of doing it for the cloud.
1: Yeah, it's been the it's been the year of performative, oh um, just gestures. Awesome. Um, did you see? Did you see the NHL teams last night? They like stood next to each other before the anthem.
0: I mean that's that, that's the same. That's the NFL playbook where because remember remember Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, oh, yeah. uh, like when when back like three years ago when the Kaepernick stuff was first starting. Uh, Jerry Jones comes out and locks arms with his players, and it's like, okay, you still support Trump, and you still do like all this. Like I just, I it's so like all of this stuff. It's like I I just I hate the like I think it's cool that they painted Black Lives Matter on the court, but I'm just like what like what are you doing with like all, like all this all this extra stuff like like I still like you know that like Tillman Fortita is still a Trump supporter like all these a lot of these owners not every single owner is a Trump supporter but I would say probably at least three quarters of them are just because I assume that anybody who's that rich is a Trump supporter. But like, and so it's like all these people putting out a statement that says, or even me, like personally, as a Yankees fan, I saw this whole thing about Trump throwing out the first pitch. Now, to be fair, it seems like he just kind of made that up and they didn't actually invite him. But I know what the Steinbrenner's politics are. I uh, would not be surprised if they would have been okay with the idea of Trump throwing out the first pitch and just pulled out because they saw how much backlash it got. But whenever I see a team where I know that the owner is a Trump supporter, saying all this black lives matter stuff and saying, Hey, we're here to listen, but then you turn around and you still support Trump. It's like,
1: yeah,
0: were you just doing it for the PR hit? Like that's why I almost kind of respect James Dolan for not actually trying to do a performative (laughs) statement because everybody knows that he's like friends with Trump and he basically is the Trump of NBA owners. So like, he's not coming out here pretending to, you know, to be like, Oh yeah, I see you. I hear you. I listen to you. But then I actually still support Trump. Like,
1: so we're giving James Dolan one point for for at least keeping it real.
0: That's the thing. Like, we know who James Dolan is. We know what he's about. So if it, you know that if he had put out a statement saying, you know, Black Lives Matter, we support equality in the Knicks organization, everybody would have just been like, yeah, no.
1: I'm I'm excited for basketball to come back, but I do feel like it's, it's definitely different from if it was uh, just, you know, if there wasn't a global pandemic. Uh, it's just funny to me like we're gonna go through this uh three months of basketball and hopefully uh the bubble continues to hold but like the minute that you know the NBA finals is over we're just gonna go back to living in a pandemic
0: that's the thing like, like it's 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 great that they're doing it and I understand why they had to do it because here's the thing I don't think most people know exactly what the financial implications are people who don't like follow this stuff closely and so it can be very easy for people to just say oh this is a money grab and they're just they're just being greedy and it's like well no like they are the amount of money that not only the owners like it's very easy to say okay the owners are just being greedy and they don't want to lose their tv money if the season gets canceled they default on their tv contracts that means the next tv contract is going to be smaller which means less money for the players also That's why you kind of saw everybody like that. That's why uh, at the beginning of the whole process when Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard were the ones that are leading the charge to, hey, maybe we shouldn't play because of the social justice thing and it's going to distract from it. The two guys that were leading that were Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard, both of whom have gotten several max contracts in the NBA and have made hundreds of millions of dollars. Those guys are going to be okay if the season gets canceled. Whereas then you started to see some of the more rank and file guys who, maybe haven't made the kind of money that Dwight Howard has made in his career who were just like, uh yeah, maybe we should actually use our platform to bring people together at this Orlando tournament so that we don't cancel the season and they don't rip up the CBA.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And I think the go-to uh, response for a lot of people is that it's just that, oh, the owners uh, are trying to recoup uh, some of the money, but this is really important for the players too. Cause um, if they didn't go through with this and, and you know, the, the owners can still do this. Like they can still rip up the collective bargaining agreement, right. Yeah. And negotiate something new after this season is over.
0: I think they're not going to, if the season actually gets finished up, I think they're going to make some amendments to it because they're going to have to kind of figure out how they're going to do next season. So they're going to make it, some updates to it. But I think the owners, this is the whole reason they haven't had a lockout since, uh, 2011 cuz they did the last CBA in 2016. And at that point Adam was like, "Look, guys, we're all making so much money. Let's just, you know, we know it would be a bad PR move to do another lockout and try and you know, lose this momentum. Things might change now because everybody has lost so much money with the pandemic, but I think Adam cares enough about what other people think. And this might just be a cynical take from me, but and, I, and I've always been kind of resistant to this idea that, oh, the NBA is so much more progressive and they are like the ones that are truly altruistic. It's like, no, they are a business, but I think Adam cares enough about PR that he realizes how, bad, how much goodwill he has built up from the Donald Sterling thing still, and he wants to keep up that image of being the progressive league. And so I think if he let the owners tear up the CBA and try to squeeze the players in the middle of a pandemic. I think he realizes how badly that would go for them from a PR standpoint, which is I don't think the NFL and major league baseball really care.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. Uh, so we got to talk about Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. Um, so let's break this down. Give me the Michael Porter Jr. Breakdown. <laughs>
0: so I saw the video <laughs> that he posted on Snapchat where he was saying that the COVID is mind control and the vac. he's never had a vaccine in his life. I will just say that since the summer before he was drafted at the combine that year there were rumors going around that were being talked about by a lot of people that Michael Porter Jr was a Trump supporter. That was just a rumor that's been going around. Now I don't I know that I know for a fact that a couple of different reporters have tried to sniff around on it and haven't been able to get anything actually confirmed, but that's just something that I've heard for a long time. And so I was 0% surprised when I saw that video last night from him.
1: Yeah, and he arrived to the bubble late too, right? Like, well, I don't he think was... he's publicly confirmed that he tested positive for COVID.
0: He didn't confirm that he tested positive, but he was one of the guys. I think it was like him and Torrey Craig and somebody else. Who There was some Instagram video that came around about a week before the, all the teams left the bubble where three or four Nuggets players were at a party that was very much not socially distanced or anybody wearing masks. And then a bunch of those guys didn't end up coming to the bubble on time, so you know you can kind of do the math about why that is. But so I mean, it's already like that's kind of a, a possibility. But also like the best player on his team and his coach both had COVID, so like I I don't I don't know how you're a guy who is in the NBA and has seen your teammates and your coach have it. And also Carl Anthony Towns, mom died from it. Like I, the idea that anybody who's in the NBA sees what's going on and sees what's happened with the league. Like Rudy Gobert still has not had his sense of smell come back or so he said, I don't know how you look at that and say, Oh, uh, you know, this is totally a hoax. This is fake.
1: Yeah. And you know, it seems like yesterday was when everybody was sharing that Dr. Uh, Stella Emanuel video, um, this is like you know, Trump's Terrence person, Davis, right? Yeah, Trump's new doctor who says that, like, um, people are getting COVID because they're sleeping with the devil is, I think, what I got out of this. I didn't really read that deep into it. I saw that uh, quote, bullshit. and I was like,
0: okay, that does sound like who Trump would <laughs> use to replace Dr. Fauci as his medical expert. <laughs> like, that, that's yeah. on brand. Like, I was not surprised when I saw that.
1: Um, but, like, yeah, like, Terrence Davis on the Raptors shared that video on his Instagram story. Um, I assume someone on the team or maybe someone online just told him because he took it down. Uh, soon after uh, Chris Boucher shared uh, some kind of conspiracy theory link uh, about how uh, McDonald's burgers are, are being made from human meat um, <laughs> like here's the thing here's the thing so we like
0: that's like some QAnon stuff probably right or like Pizzagate
1: yeah I think so and like here's the thing so we I feel like a lot of us like we call out uh, just people in society for this type of behavior but like when it comes to athletes I feel like we don't go as hard on them like I know, Michael Porter Jr. is getting called out right now, um, but like I feel like sometimes we just let some of this shit slide. Um, do you think we're too easy on on these players, especially now because they're using their platforms to spread these really dangerous messages?
0: I think it's a combination of a few different things, and this is a this is a theory that I've had when it comes to less serious stuff like NBA player movement. I have long, and this is kind of I think you know this this might be kind of long winded and kind of convoluted, but just kind of go with me here. I have thought for a while that people were so badly wrong about the decision in 2010. Cause remember when LeBron first announced he was going to Miami, there were so many people. And I'm not even talking about just like, you know, skip Bayless or whatever, like actual respected media people, like who are not hot take artists who were writing these columns about how LeBron is a coward and he took the easy way out and he's stacking the deck and all of this stuff. And that has proven to be so wrong in retrospect that I think now you're seeing what's going on with Giannis being a free agent in a year from now and everybody, it seems like people are like actively trying to push him to a bigger market to show that they're pro player empowerment. I kind of feel like this people's soft peddling on Dwight Howard and Michael Porter being anti-vaxxers and spreading this conspiracy stuff. And also with Lou Williams going to magic city, when you probably shouldn't be going to a strip club in the middle of a pandemic. Like I feel like people are now because, because people were so wrong about the decision People are now so afraid to criticize players for anything. And I think it's especially true that, you know, when, you know, as a white guy, you know, as and I think a lot of the NBA media is still pretty white. I think a lot of people now, given the current social climate, are hesitant to criticize any black player for doing anything because it might come off as tone deaf. But we kind of have to take a step back at some point and be like, no, it actually is harmful that Dwight Howard is coming out and saying he doesn't think vaccines are real or Michael Porter Jr. is coming out and saying that he thinks COVID is is a form of mind control. Like it actually, that, that actually is, you know, something that needs to not, you know, from these guys who have huge platforms and have a lot of people that follow them, it actually is harmful for them to spread this stuff. And I think people need to be more, you know, willing to call it out. It's kind of the same thing as, you know, with Steven Jackson with the, you know, agreeing with the Sean Jackson stuff about how like Jews control the whole, the banks or, or whatever. Like, I understand that Steven Jackson has done a lot of great work on the black lives matter cause since the George Floyd, murder and that was a friend of his and he's done great work on that but also him spreading this it's like two things can be true like these guys are using their platforms for stuff that is important but also like spreading this you know anti-semitic stuff in his case or you know conspiracy theories and anti-vaxxer stuff in the case of dwight and mpj like that stuff is dangerous and that stuff does need to be called out and that's not just oh this person is just sharing their opinion and they have a different opinion it's like no opinions are allowed to be wrong and these opinions are objectively wrong
1: yeah, well I would hope that no one is like tuning into like Dwight Howard's that's, IG lives to like to like get knowledge about the coronavirus. Like the you're tuning of- in for like you're tuning in for like a pool party and maybe like a fart joke, right? Like I hope.
0: <laughs> and like the and the, uh and like exclusive footage from uh the the DJ party at the bubble that only Dwight Howard went to that DJed by uh DJ D Saul, the CEO of Goldman Sachs, like <laughs>
1: <laughs> is that a is that a Tillman for Tita owned DJ or what's going on
0: Well man? did you see that story <laughs> that uh, that the chain smokers did a concert at the uh, at the Hamptons the other day that is now being investigated for not being socially distanced did you see the part of that story where Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon under his DJ name DJ D Sol was the opening act for the chainsmokers. Did you see that part
1: of the story? Because that's real. No, because I tweeted about it and you replied to me with that. So I had no idea that <laughs> was the Goldman Sachs guy. Masquer <laughs> so this is like his alter ego? He's a DJ?
0: It's the DJ it's the J it's the JD in the straight shot of finance executives.
1: Yo, that is amazing. How did he even get linked up with the Chainsmokers to be like the opening set?
0: Well, if you're an EDM DJ, like, aren't they kind of like I? You might be more up on like that scene than I am, because that's not like the kind of music I listen to. But like, it, aren't the Chainsmokers like the? I only I only really know that one song of theirs. But like, they like, aren't they like the big name in that in that? in that world at this point. So if you're the CEO of the biggest bank and you're trying to moonlight as a DJ, that's who you want to link up with. And like he has the money and connections as a CEO of Goldman Sachs (laughs) that he would actually be able to make that happen.
1: Yeah, not that you would break uh, any of the social distance rules because I know, um, you know, based on, uh, seeing some of the clips, I know Terry Stotts has been giving you a hard time in Zoom for, yes. for not going to get a haircut yet. Yeah. Uh, but if if you were to break the rules uh, to go to a concert, who would you break the rules for? Who who would it have to be to like do a surprise show in Portland for you to be like, all right, I'm going.
0: Can it be dead people?
1: Yeah, you can do that. Yeah.
0: Because I never got to see Bowie, and that was my biggest regret.
1: So if David Bowie resurrected and was having a show tomorrow. That is the one person you would risk it all for.
0: I would think about it. Yeah. <laughs> have, you lot, have you had a lot of shows get canceled during COVID? Like, I, I don't know if you kind of had any that you were planning on going to. The night that the Rudy Gobert positive test happened and the NBA shut down, I was seeing Tool at the Rose Garden. I was at the show. And I already, already felt kind of weird about going because I kind of knew what was going on. But it's like I had been at a Blazers game the night before. And I had a game the next day that I was planning on going to. And so I went to see Tool because I already had the tickets. And in the middle of the show, I get the Twitter alert that Rudy Gobert tested positive and the NBA got shut down. And then about an hour later, I got an alert that our governor had banned gatherings of more than 50 people. So I was like, okay, I guess this is the last show I'm going to go to for a while.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. Just picturing being back in a in a like a full arena again yeah. sounds so uh, far away. No, like with the Dwight Howard thing, I think we both agree there's really no Dwight Howard stands. all right? Like, that's not a thing, right?
0: I was actually have been the biggest Dwight defender for a while because I've always kind of thought that he's gotten a bad rap. And like the idea that like there are people that think he's not a Hall of Famer, which is insane to me. But like and so I've always been kind of a defender of Dwight, you know, when he kind of bounces around from team to team. I'm always like, well, you know what, uh, if he does like get back to what he's good at and, and accepts his role, then, you know, like I've always been the guy kind of making that point and being not totally out on Dwight. And then this year with the Lakers, he finally started doing that and was actually really good for them and really helpful and wasn't trying to be a star and was really not really a distraction the whole year. And then he just like undoes all of this goodwill with like these IG lives where he's talking about how he doesn't want to wear a mask and how vaccines aren't real. And I'm just like, I, I, I've spent like five years defending you when nobody else would. And this is how you pay me back. Come on.
1: Remember when uh, Lee Jenkins, uh, shout out Lee Jenkins, wrote that like redemption story about Dwight Howard? Oh, people do that he every signed year. Signed with Atlanta? <laughs> people,
0: do, people, somebody does that every year. Like every year, like Shams or somebody is doing like the Dwight Howard. Like this is the year that Dwight finally is accepting the criticism. And humbling himself and realizing that he has not conducted himself the right way over the past eight years. And every year, it it, it, kind of doesn't work out. Except this year, this year with the Lakers, he actually had been living up to all that stuff. But now he's apparently an anti-vaxxer.
1: Yeah, it's a shame. But, you know, at least there's no Dwight stands, So I'm confident that he didn't really kind of influence the thinking of a lot of people, e- even yeah. though it is still dangerous. But I feel like there are probably like Michael Porter Jr. stands because he's like a young and up, you know, up and comer. He's 22 years old. And I f- well, honestly Kyrie, feel like that's Irving, really Kyrie dangerous. Irving,
0: like, I, Kyrie, I don't think Kyrie has really commented on COVID, but like Kyrie 100 Kyrie percent thinks that COVID is like a government conspiracy, right? Like just based on everything we know about him and other things that he believes like Kyrie is definitely a like COVID is the Illuminati. Like that's definitely his deal. So, and and Kyrie is somebody that like a lot of people listen to and are and are and actually take his opinion seriously, especially on some of this, you know, he was one of the guys leading the charge on, we need to be serious about the social justice stuff. And he just, earlier this week donated $1.5 million to help pay WNBA players' salaries who opted out, which is awesome, and he legitimately deserves props for that. But also he's a guy that has been on record saying he thinks the earth is flat, and we know that he's like an Illuminati guy and a, and a chemtrails guy. So it's like I worry that if he were to come out and say, oh, you know, I don't think vaccines really help or I think vaccines are a form of mind control or whatever, people would actually take that seriously more so than they would with Dwight Howard.
1: I think for the All-Star game next year, not that there is going to be an All-Star game, uh, it should be anti vaxxers versus guys who are pro-mass. <laughs>
0: just imagine. Oh my god! So like, so like your, your, your so your team would be would be Kyrie as a point guard, assuming maybe Kyrie does believe in vaccines, but assuming that he yeah an big
1: lineup, big lineup. Michael Porter at the two.
0: Hmm. Well, Dwight plays. Not center. that
1: he's not that he's all-star caliber. I think throw out the fact that these guys, whether they deserve to be there, it's just based on their beliefs.
0: Right. So like Chris Boucher is going to be an all-star next year.
1: <laughs> yeah, Terrence Davis is coming off the bench. Um I think that would be must see. Um and and we have to just put Rudy Gobert on that team just cuz he was messing around with the mics.
0: Yeah, I guess. <laughs> also I... he's
1: posted some like questionable stuff. Yeah. He like I think he he like posted like a fake uh Facebook post from Serena Williams. Oh, that's right. I remember
0: that. It wasn't even and it was just like some other person named Serena Williams who was not the tennis player and was like an all lives matter person. Like they, like somebody looked up that person's Facebook profile and she was like a it, it was like it was like somebody who was like all lives matter type and it was not Serena Williams the tennis player who would certainly not share stuff like that.
1: And he posted this uh, text graphic that says everything we hear is an opinion, not a fact everything we see is a perspective not the truth the biggest, so i don't the know form, the most
0: dangerous words in the english language are do your own research whenever somebody says do your own research that's like nothing good is going to come out of that
1: yeah no listen man like you mentioned Kyrie's doing a lot of great things uh off the court and i think you know the WNBA. uh you know what he's doing there and also like him leading the charge you know to, to stand up for the players you know, I thought was, was really cool, but he, you're right. Like he's also in that Kanye West zone where like, I really don't want to hear any of his thoughts or want well, him to tweet.
0: They're both kind of in this zone where like with Kanye, it's like when somebody has like not read a lot of books, it's really easy to get sucked into some of these YouTube conspiracy. Cause I don't know if you've ever watched any of these conspiracy theory videos on YouTube, but like they are very well-made and very professionally produced. And they are very good at presenting this information in a way that makes it seem really legitimate and it makes it seem like it's actually been fact-checked and vetted. And so you watch these things and you think, you know, this actually makes sense. They make a good argument. And then you think about it for two seconds and you're just like, wait a minute, no. But if you're not somebody who like, like, you know, has had a lot of, you know, has read a lot of books or has had a lot of education and knows how to actually vet stuff. Yeah. It's very easy for you to kind of look at this stuff and be like, yeah, you know, this person makes some good points and that. Yeah. Maybe nine 11 was an inside job.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, just to be clear, Sean's not uh, shitting on Kanye without facts. Kanye has bragged about not reading books. Yeah, that's the thing.
0: That's the thing. It's like, I'm just like, uh, like, he said this and it's just like, yeah, okay. So, of course, he thinks that, like, of course, he, like, supports Trump if that if that's kind of how he approaches the world. Like, I'm not surprised by that. Like, there are a lot of guys where, like, (laughs) like. You just think that like, okay they like Kyrie Irving probably watched a video on YouTube that showed why the earth was flat. And that video, they probably spent a lot of money on making that video look really professional and look really legitimate and have these people that have medical degrees from really sketchy universities. So they technically do have doctor on their name and they go on these videos and talk. And if you're not able to think critically about it, it looks really legit and then and, that, and that's how kind of people get sucked because when you, when you watch these videos it's not just obvious that it's a hoax it's like it's like they actually make it seem like it's legitimate and reputable except that it, the information in it is totally fake
1: yeah you know the one documentary i watch is called behind the curve um it's on netflix i believe and it's it's about that. the flat earth it's about the flat earth community uh-huh. and it speaks to a lot of the things that you're talking about in that you, you really get an understanding of why people fall into these beliefs because the videos and kind of the messaging that's that's out there is really convincing. And it, and if you're like a naive person, and like you said, if you, if you haven't educated yourself on things like science, um, like it's really easy to fall into those traps.
0: It's the same thing with Steven Jackson, kind of going back to that where, you don't want to devalue what he's done because he has been one of the leading voices on the Black Lives Matter movement in the last two months and was a big you know, force in the George Floyd protests in Minnesota. And you want to give him credit for that and you want to praise him for that. And the same thing with like, like Dwayne Wade tweeted like solidarity with Nick Cannon. And dwayne wade first of and- all
1: you, you you can't go you can't go down defending nick cannon man.
0: <laughs> that's that's right that's that's exactly you're just like okay like like i thought that song with r kelly that you know that song gigolo with r kelly like that song is great like i think that song is awesome but like and but like now that song is fully canceled but like i didn't think that song or like the movie drumline were good enough that i'm gonna like stake my entire reputation on defending nick cannon for saying that the jews control the banks <laughs> like but but like dwayne wade tweets that And, like, Dwayne Wade has done so much other good stuff, both with, you know, the statement that him and LeBron and Melo made at the ESPYs, but also now with Dwayne Wade's daughter, who is uh, transgender, and he's you know him and gabby are speaking up about that and you know bringing a lot of awareness to that and like that's really great and he deserves props for that but it's also like some of these people like are, are you know used is it still dangerous that you know Steven Jackson is spreading stuff about like the Rothschild family is controlling all the banks and so the Jews are like it's like all this stuff it's like it's like you can praise people for good things that they do while also saying that some of the stuff that they're spreading is dangerous
1: yeah and i think the toughest part too, like when you talk about Steven Jackson and Dwayne Wade is that then you have like politicians or people who are really disingenuous? Right, like Josh just Hawley, being the, the, able... the senator
0: that sent the email about China. Like, like Josh Hawley does not actually care that the NBA is in business with China. Josh Hawley sees that the most majority black league is maybe being a little bit hypocritical on this stuff, and so he sends that email out because that's what his base wants. Like, and that's why I was mad that like NBA players and like like respected NBA media weren't actually calling out Steven Jackson at the time, because if people who actually are in this for the right reasons and actually do care about, you know, people not spreading this stuff, uh, you know, aren't the ones calling it out, then you kind of see the domain to people like Clay Travis, who are only going to call it out because it's an excuse to say that a black athlete was doing something stupid or doing it in totally bad faith.
1: Yeah, I think with media and players too, everybody just always looks around to see who's going to speak up first. Right. Um. There's a lot of people that I think are hesitant, and, and the thing too is like, it all this stuff just delegitimizes like what Stephen Jackson has done, like what Dwayne Wade has done, and it gives people an excuse, um, uh, to really throw them under the bus. Uh, which I think really sucks because, like you said um you know what the the stuff that they did you know is terrible like the Steven Jackson stuff with Deshaun Jackson but it also at the same time it's not like it takes away from what Steven Jackson has done with the Black Lives Matter movement right
0: right and i think that, and i think to to his credit Deshaun ja- I mean Steven Jackson seems like he's just totally doubled down on it and like with Charles when Charles Barkley called him out and other people he's just like yeah fuck you guys i'm not changing my opinion whereas like it does seem like Steven ja- or Deshaun Jackson and i don't know much about Deshaun Jackson or like what he's about cuz i don't follow the NFL but like it does seem like he actually has realized that what he said was messed up and that he has actually seemed like he's trying to take the effort to actually educate himself. I think the best example of this, of like the best case scenario for how this could go is Tim Hardaway. Like, do you remember that whole thing? Where he said some really, really, really just absurdly homophobic stuff in like 2007 where he was like, It was like when some ex-player came out and he said, like, and and somebody asked, like, Levitard asked him on his radio show, like, would you be okay with a gay teammate? And he said, no, I hate gay people. I think it's unnatural and I think it's disgusting. Like, he said all, like, just the most indefensible homophobic stuff. And then, of course, he got killed for it. And since then, he actually has done the work to become a huge gay rights advocate and has, like, become very active in those causes and actually has, like, become different and actually changed and educated himself and become better because of it. That's kind of what you would hope that somebody like Steven Jackson or Deshaun Jackson, who are so good on these other issues that are also important and the work they do on those issues is important. That's what you hope would happen, that they realize that they were totally wrong on this other issue. And they say, okay, I recognize that I was wrong. And I'm going to do some reading and actually talk to some people and try to be better about this in the future. But it seems like Steven Jackson isn't really going that way.
1: Yeah, I think that's the minimum you can do, you know, when you come out and, you know, you, you you have a very bad, you know, wrong opinion and you're spreading the wrong message is at least use it as an opportunity uh, to educate yourself uh, in other breaking NBA news. Uh, did you see LeBron uh, has announced that there will be no zero dark 23 this year that he's going to be on social media during the playoffs?
0: Well, see, that shocks me because LeBron, I definitely believe that he was not on social media and not reading anything and not knowing what people were talking about in other years. Like, I definitely buy that that was going on in other cases and was definitely not just a hashtag that he's he tweeting for clout. So, I mean, this is huge.
1: I mean, it's hilarious because if you weren't on Twitter, how did you know that everybody apparently called you the Wash King?
0: <laughs> that's, the, that's the biggest, like, <laughs> the, the Wash King thing. Like, Does did anybody besides like Skip Bayless actually say that LeBron is washed?
1: Yeah, no. Honestly, I I feel like LeBron just made that up entirely. I don't even think Skip has ever called him the wash. Oh, I mean, I'm
0: sure I'm sure Skip Bayless has said that he's washed. Like, I'm I'm sure Skip has because Skip's whole thing is just like being the anti-LeBron guy. Like, he's just made that his lane for the last fifteen years or whatever. But like, nobody has actually said. It's just like the other day, and Eric and I talked about this on our podcast. But like when Steph Curry tweeted, like, "Shout out to all the WNBA players. Shout out to all the system players." And it's like nobody has ever actually called Steph Curry a system player. Like. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah no that was just from bomani right like he was having a conversation right, on his right. radio no show. i
0: thought that was right he was just him and vinny were talking and those are both guys who are like vinny's actually a friend of mine because we used to cover the bulls and bomani is just somebody i have a lot of respect for it's so, like i don't think those guys were saying that steph curry was bad and they were just kind of having a discussion about what his role is on the Warriors and how that compares to how other guys were used. I don't necessarily agree with what they were saying, but I don't think it's a totally un, uh, invalid discussion to have. But of course, that just gets run with as, oh, these guys are saying Steph Curry is terrible. And now Steph Curry is going to say, oh, well, people are saying I'm a system player. It's like, no, nobody thinks you're a system player. Too. Like, it's, it's fine.
1: No, th- I listened to that whole radio show and that was completely uh, misconstrued. Yeah. I-, I think Bomani was making a much bigger point, but people just pulled his system player quote and ran with it and did you see like andre iguodala like replied to bomani this is the whole thing too now is like all the players are just clapping back at everything now
0: which is good in some cases but also just like like i think it's like whenever ken whenever kevin durant goes at perk for one of his terrible takes i'm just like yeah go kd like (laughs) like clap back at him but like but just like did you see that bradley beal was calling out Zach Lowe for leaving him off of his all NBA ballot
1: yesterday. No, I didn't see that. See, that's what I think. Listen, I don't have a issue with players kind of uh, clapping back because, you know, they're being put in the spotlight all the time. And, you know, people are just, you know, I I feel like guys like Kendrick Perkins uh, are just putting out a lot of hot takes and and should be called out for it. But I feel like we have to draw the line somewhere uh, because I feel like a lot of the call outs are just like unwarranted.
0: Well, it's just a lot. A lot of it was just like, I don't know like like the whole thing was like i'm 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 not gonna be out here saying like oh I think these guys shouldn't be giving their opinions these athletes should just you know stay in there like I that's not how I am but I'm also just like every single thing does not have to be a Twitter beef like we need to just kind of because because sometimes like the Twitter beefs are actually uh warranted like when somebody says something that's actually problematic about a player and the player claps back at it like, that's actually, you know, that that's something that I think is is valid and 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 valuable and, and stuff. But if just like somebody has a player slightly off their All NBA, like like Bradley Beal does not need to like start a whole beef with Zach Lowe for not voting for him for All NBA. Like that's that that's just like like what what are we doing at that point?
1: Yeah, and I haven't read Zach's article yet, but I bet you he probably praised Beal uh, okay. in his honorable mentions.
0: And also, like I know Zach, and I know how much work he puts into this stuff. And how much uh, like, like he, like Zach is not a hot take guy. Zach is a guy who almost to a fault at times, like does an obsessive amount of research about players and about different teams. And like, he, he doesn't just like give his opinion. He actually like talks to people and does his research. Like if there's anybody that you don't want to go at for just having an opinion, that's uninformed. It's, it's Zach Lowe.
1: Yeah. and I think that's the point I was trying to make in that. I feel like bad media people make it worse for everyone, right? Make, yeah. They make it worse for the good media people.
0: Yeah, because, like, there are people who – and this is, has been an issue with media access where, like, what, for years, Michelle Roberts, the executive director of the Players Association, has come out and said, like, oh, I don't think teams – you know, I, I don't think that media needs to be in locker rooms because a lot of times they're just kind of staring at – and it's like, yeah, there are a lot of people who are out there just not doing anything and just are just kind of there for the free ticket or the free seat at the game and aren't really doing anything. But there are a lot of people who do this the right way and are – and that time in the locker room even if you're not specifically there working on a story the time just like you know bsing with players and just kind of having casual conversations that helps you build those relationships that can be valuable down the line like the idea the fact there now are just like a lot of those like clout chasers and people who are just kind of there not doing anything it makes it harder for those of us who actually are trying to do our jobs and i think the same thing is true for you know guys like and i'm not even just like singling out perk as an ex player there are actual you know media members who aren't ex-players like you know, skip bayless or you know colin coward or whoever who just kind of have these opinions and they just have these hot takes and have these personal agendas against players and you know team you know players see just like on first take like players i don't. I think most players aren't reading every single article about them from somebody like zach lowe like they're just kind of when they when they talk about the media a lot of times they just see like what's on first take or what's on like the Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharp show. And just think that that's what all media thinks about them because those are like the loud guys who talk on TV. But like for, you know, most people, most reporters, I think at least most reporters with access actually are trying to do their jobs the right way. And it does kind of get devalued because of just like the really loud hot take artists.
1: Yeah. And, and I don't want to be like the, the media guy kind of defending media, but no, I no, do no, feel no, like no, to no. like when it breaks up when kind of it, when these like conversations break out on Twitter, like when a player goes at a media member, I feel like then like everybody chimes in and there are people who don't understand like how, you know, the media works, right? And I feel like it's just a bad platform to like have those back and forth conversations uh, every time like a player calls out a media member.
0: And it's also like there was, there was just kind of this whole, because you remember during the playoffs last year when the, during the Thunder Blazers series, when there was that one columnist from Oklahoma that Russ would just not ever talk to and was just like, whenever he asked any question at, at the press conferences, he would just be like, yeah, next question. It's like... Oh, yeah, right, yeah. It's like, like, that guy, like, Barry Trammell, I don't really know him at all. But from everything I've read and everybody I've talked to about that situation, he hasn't written anything that's, like, bad or personal. or Like, I would understand that if he had written something about russ that was like unfair or was wrong or whatever but i think russ just like arbitrarily decided he didn't like that guy and so he was just going to be a dick to him at press conferences and like i don't think that's cool and i get i obviously there's like the reflexive uh response to that from from fans is to be like yeah g- yeah get him russ like yes yeah t- tell that media guy And it's like no like that's actually making barry trammell's job harder and he's a guy who has a job to do and he didn't do anything to warrant that
1: yeah, back to uh one more thing about LeBron and yeah. you know him not going dark. Um I was dying at the tweet. Uh did you see that tweet? Um so Paul Rivera cuz that's one of his boys, right? Um yeah. he's um and he tweeted like, "Oh, the East is easy. He won't do that in the West." And then LeBron was like, he quote retweeted it. I was like, "Bro, I swear I heard that for 15 years." I haven't seen people talk about this for 15 years is all I'm saying.
0: I have seen the talking point that LeBron has gotten to the finals eight years in a row because he played in the East and the West is a lot more talented. But
1: that has not been like a prominent talking no, point. No, it
0: hasn't. But the other thing I will also say about that is LeBron went to the West last year. And what happened? The Lakers didn't make the playoffs.
1: Remember when LeBron activated playoff mode last year? <laughs>
0: i do remember that it's like yeah okay like yeah great yeah great playoff mode Cool. he
1: activated playoff mode and i and i distinctly remember them losing at phoenix like the next day (laughs) and he was just so mad you'll remember when magic yeah i do remember when
0: magic johnson quit it was because like he just didn't like because he was like i can't tweet about russell westbrook having a good game now and then it comes out like a couple weeks ago that magic johnson actually has somebody else writing his own tweets for him
1: imagine being magic's intern man just being like okay so you just want me to tweet lebron james had 35 points in a lakers win are you sure
0: i was surprised you didn't apply for that job that's like your dream you've been on the magic twitter account beat for longer than anybody like i have to give you you were like you were like you were like early on that one you're like the you're like the like uh like the pioneer of that like i'm surprised i didn't call you for that
1: this is like magic to me is like you with soldier boy i want to say
0: which by the way yesterday was Soldier Boy's 30th birthday so shout out.
1: Yeah, shout out Soldier Boy. I saw so many great tweets about uh Soldier Boy. People really wanted to talk about just his uh musical influence on his birthday yesterday.
0: Have you seen his documentary?
1: No, is this a is this a must watch? I
0: I don't know if it's still on Netflix. It used to be on Netflix. It's called Soldier Boy the Movie and it's just a documentary about his rise and it's like there are some like, r- absolutely ridiculous scenes in it. Like, they have an entire five minute part of this documentary that's just devoted to his diamond studded chain that looks like a Lamborghini that's a remote controlled thing. Like, that's a whole, that's like a five minute part of this movie. And then there's a scene where he's like sitting on his computer in a Carson Palmer uh, Cincinnati Bengals jersey. <laughs> that's and
1: amazing. And the
0: documentary person, asked, like the filmmaker, asks him, Hey, so when did you get into computers? And Soldier Boy looks at the camera and he goes, I'm not into computers, I'm into money. So there is some absolutely ridiculous stuff in it like that, but it actually is a really interesting documentary about how he was kind of one of the first guys to use YouTube and use the internet and use MySpace to like build his career before everybody was doing that. Like, it, And when you actually look at it, he actually was like an innovator in the game in terms of like how everybody does it now remember his whole interview on the breakfast club last year that everybody was like making fun of because he had like (laughs) like if you watch that whole interview all the stuff he was saying about how he was the first rapper on social media and how he was actually is really influential like none of the stuff he was actually saying on that interview even though like it was ridiculous and there were a lot of memes made out of it like all that stuff was true like he wasn't lying
1: oh that's the one where he accused everyone of stealing his whole fucking flow right yes
0: Yeah, that's where he he, like had the Gucci headband and like he went off on Tiger for saying he had the biggest gum. Like that stuff is ridiculous and it's really easy to make memes out of that stuff. And like that stuff is all funny. But all the stuff he was actually saying in that interview is like, yeah, you know, Soldier Boy probably doesn't get enough respect for his influence on the game.
1: Yeah, I'm off the mind that any like rap beef uh, or rap like uh, degenerate behavior is great as long as it doesn't result in violence. Right. (laughs) Like I don't know if you've been following this like Tory Lanes and Meg yeah, the Stallion thing because that one know. is bad.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually when somebody's actually getting shot. That's suspect. and especially when it's like Megan the Stallion and like she got shot and people are still making jokes about it. It's like that's not cool.
1: So I'm actually on Twitter right now, and the Nuggets uh, were asked about Michael Porter Jr.'s comments. Did he uh, talk? So n- I don't think so, uh, Tim Connolly. Uh, said uh, he's a general manager. He he said he spoke with Michael Porter about his comments about COVID-19. And Mike Malone had a statement. Uh, He said, quote, he understands the situation, but we as an organization are not going to put a muzzle on anybody. If someone has a strong belief on something, they have the platform and freedom to use that. We'll just try to educate guys so they understand the impact of what they may be saying. Man, I feel like they should have gotten a little harder on that. That's they should have gone way harder on i this, mean that's just honest.
0: like uh that, that's just like your interview with stan van gundy uh, the, you asked him about the dwight howard anti-vax stuff and stan basically said like everybody's allowed to have their opinion but when you're spreading stuff that affects other people like the vaccinations or the mask stuff like at that point it's like no you aren't entitled to your opinion if it's actually wrong and dangerous like that and i think that's the right attitude like i'm not saying oh because like this isn't like an opinion or, like oh somebody has an opinion about like about you know what you know what their favorite movie is or you know who their favorite player is or who's the best player. This is not like an opinion about that. For stuff like that, everybody is entitled to their opinion. But Michael Porter is not entitled to his opinion that COVID nineteen is government mind control. Like no, like that that's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, no, I think they should have come down way harder on that. Or maybe one of the vets on the team. I don't know, like Paul Millsap, or yeah, someone like sensible should have Paul... just pulled him aside.
0: That's the other part about like like how how mad do you think LeBron was when he saw the Dwight stuff?
1: <laughs> like lebron like, you know it's hilarious lebron's got and i don't want to group these other guys in uh with dwight uh in terms of like the anti-vaxxer combo because dwight's the only one that said it publicly but lebron's on on a team with dwight jr Dion waiters and JaVale mcgee yeah
0: yeah it's not it's it's i mean well, my, thing is like- my
1: favorite my favorite bubble storyline so far is jr being like banned from ig by, by the nba like after one night there
0: because he was like Instagramming all like, the all the safety protocols that were supposed to be proprietary information. <laughs> yeah. That was that was yeah, that was good. But like if you're LeBron, like LeBron spent the whole year vouching for Dwight and you know helping him kind of redeem his career by being a valuable contributor. And then and you know, LeBron has also been on the forefront of wanting to restart and saying, okay, we need to take COVID seriously. We need to take the health stuff seriously. We need to take the social justice stuff seriously, all this stuff. And then Dwight comes out and says he's an anti-vaxxer. LeBron has to be like, come on, man, what like, what are you doing? Like, really? You're going to make me answer for this? Like, what are you doing?
1: Yeah, no, it's not good vibes uh, when you have an anti-vaxxer on your team. Anything uh, you want to talk about with the Lou Will Magic City stuff? I know everybody has litigated it this week already.
0: Yeah, I think that, People are going a little bit too hard defending him and acting like it's at, like, this is what I was getting back to with people are just afraid to criticize a player about anything. It's like, it's okay to say that he probably shouldn't have gone to Magic City during a pandemic. Like if the wings are that good, you can get them delivered. You Like you could get them Postmates if you want.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I feel like there should just be a consistency uh, in the messaging, because like we've all talked about how important um, you know the, the public health and safety is and and also the importance of not bringing the virus uh, into the bubble. And luckily, it, it seems like Lou will has returned to the bubble and you know, there hasn't been you know an outbreak or anything like that. But there very easily could have been because of what he did, right?
0: That's the thing people aren't consistent about this. People it's the same people who were railing on the NBA for 2 months for even attempting this bubble because it's unethical and you're putting the player you're forcing the players to go into this uh, this situation where they're basically prisoners blah blah blah. Those same people are the ones saying no it's actually fine that Lou Williams actually went and like and like endangered the whole thing by going to a strip club. Like come on. Like be be consistent about it. If if you're going to if you're going to have the view that the NBA was dangerous for doing this. Then at least also say that players need to take it seriously while they're in the bubble. Like you can't you can't have it both ways.
1: So the seating games are are starting. Uh, yeah. Adam Silver has done everything that he can to make sure Zion is going to play. Oh yeah, um, on opening night he got the and, Amazon Prime uh, the, quarantine. <laughs> what was honestly? I've lost track of what the rules are. Apparently he only had to quarantine four days because he was getting daily tested while he was away.
0: I don't know. It's def- It's definitely a, a, a like. They they definitely were just like. Look, we put the Pelicans on national TV thirty <laughs> times this year because we knew that everybody wanted to see Zion, and then he missed most of the season, and so then we put him on uh, national TV for opening night of the restart. We're not. He's not missing that. Like we're not gonna. We're not gonna go over two on putting Zion on opening night.
1: Here's here's my question for you. If Zion were to be spotted at Magic City today, do you think Adam lets him play tomorrow?
0: Well, you know, he actually was, you know, I actually did try those wings and they are actually good. Like I, I, I gotta say, I see his point. Like that's, that's probably gonna be like the Adam Silver statement. If that happens, but that's the other I thing about the like... whole blue Will thing is like every NBA writer who has been to magic city was really making a point to be like, you know what? Those wings are incredible. Like, like yeah, I feel things. like
1: everybody just wanted us to know that they've been to magic city.
0: Yeah. Like, I'm sure the wings are really good. Like, wings seem like a place that a, a, a food item that most places in the south would do well like i i could see that i i would i don't doubt that the wings are really good but it's like okay you really don't have to like to me it's like i understand that there's some moralizing about the strip club stuff and i i'm not in favor of that i think that you know we need to destigmatize that line of work because it is a legitimate line of work and you know women who are working in those environments are not treated well and i think there needs to be more attention on that and so i think it is Easy for people to just kind of get the jokes off that, uh, you know, oh, of course, Lou Will went to a strip club and that's why people are freaking out about it. If he had gone to get wings from a wing stop, I would feel the same way. Like, I haven't gone to a restaurant since the pandemic started and I'm not going to until there's a vaccine. And I don't have uh, a, a billion dollar industry hinging on whether I can keep myself safe. Like, it's just it's common sense. Like, get the wings delivered if it's really that important to you to get the wings.
1: Yeah. Uh, are there um, specific teams that you're most looking forward to watching uh, for these next two weeks?
0: Oklahoma City is one that I really think, if you're asking me which teams I think can surprise some people outside of like the Milwaukee, Lakers, Clippers, Toronto, like all the teams that you would expect. I think Oklahoma City has a chance to actually like make the conference finals. That's a take that I'm workshopping right now. Like I actually
1: well it's, it's 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 better than trying to hop on the Houston Rockets bandwagon because they're, they're just like so annoying
0: I was on that early because I had I kind of had the idea that James Harden usually burns out in the playoff because he plays so many minutes in the regular season and this time he's going to be fully rested but they just have had so many guys be in and out and had so many guys not get there right away and it's just like I'm, I'm kind of off that I think Oklahoma City is really good I think Chris Paul is really good. I think that uh that team is well coached. I think that I was actually on this the whole year when they traded away Paul George and Russell Westbrook. I was just like, you know what? Paul George, Gallinari, Steven Adams, like that's a good there's like a bunch of good NBA players on the team. And also like getting Andre Robertson back is huge.
1: Yeah, honestly, now that I think about it, like did the Rockets really need to trade Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook?
0: Well, those two didn't get along is the thing. Like I think James Harden was wanted him. So like, I, I understand why they had to do it for personal reasons, but also like, to be fair, Russ has been really good for them this year. Like I realize that it's, it's, it's kind of easy to make jokes about like, oh, those two can't share the ball. But since they did the PJ, the, the Clink Capella trade and like move PJ Tucker to center Russ has been incredible.
1: Yeah. But my thing is just, you know, uh, in the playoffs, I'd probably take Chris Paul and oh, I would he's too. still playing, he's still playing at an all NBA level. Um, yeah, I'm with you on the thunder. Also, the the other thing about the Rockets, uh, do you think PJ Tucker's uh, sneaker collection in the bubble is worth more than Tillman Fertitta?
0: What? Did, how many shoes did he bring? You're up. We're more up on this than I am.
1: He brought 90 pairs, and I don't have the average price, but I want to say he probably each of those pairs are probably like $2,000 market price.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll take. I'll defer to you on shoe stuff because you're a lot more active. In the so ninety,
1: market, so ninety pairs, ninety pairs times two thousand, so one hundred and eighty thousand dollars market value. Do you think? Do you think Tillman Fertitta has that liquidity right now?
0: I think he will by the end of the bubble because all the players are going to be ordering food from the six Tillman Fertitta restaurants, which
1: event. is honestly the most unethical thing ever, man. Oh,
0: a hundred percent. But it's like there's so much of this kind of stuff that, that that like like there's a Blaze Pizza in the Staples Center like LeBron is a part investor in Blaze.
1: <laughs> LeBron's just going to get some extra cash after every game.
0: But right, I mean, there's been like like talk about like that being cap circumvention that the Lakers put one of his companies in the Staples Center. But like but like yeah, no, it it is totally just Adam throwing Tolman Fertitta a bone. We like hey, look, I know that you're hit extra hard by this because all of your money is in casinos and restaurants that had to close during the pandemic. Like. They should throw Mickey in a bone too because he's a cruise ship guy and they're are cruise ship uh anymore. Oh yeah,
1: he that's owns cool. Carnival Cruise Ships. That's
0: his that's where he made his money. Like like Dan Gilbert's doing great <laughs> because like yeah, like the subprime mortgage industry is doing great right now. Because people <laughs> need money. Like like
1: NBA <laughs> owners and their backstories are, are honestly hilarious. Um what else are we going to talk about? Oh, we got to talk about the clutch point graphics. Oh my god. Uh, you have you have been on this wave so this is your platform right here. It's just the
0: best. They're the best social media account. Like every single one of their graphics is amazing. Like, like they're just like, I, res- like, I just respect their art so much.
1: They had a Michael Porter one where uh, you posted this. Uh, uh-huh. He's like, uh he's like in the background, in the background is just everyone wearing masks. Like it's just a busy street. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's just standing there. Well, Are you going to do a feature story on this? Because you should.
0: I, I I will think about it at some point. The best ones, uh, like it, they 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 are great on the business on like the big news story ones like i remember when when they first when all the st- the positive tests first started to happen they had one that where it was like donovan mitchell with a bunch of like virus particles floating in the background that ha- and the and the caption was oh no donovan mitchell has tested positive for the coronavirus like those are good but the best ones are where they just take the most random old stuff and uh just and and then and, and then just like make these totally literal graphics about it. like there's this one I have it I have a bunch of these screenshots on my phone. Do you remember this whole? Do you remember that story like from a few years ago where Charlie Villanueva tweeted that somebody <laughs> broke into his house, stole his toilet?
1: I actually don't remember this. At so all. this
0: is like a thing from like three years ago that was just randomly Charlie Villanueva tweeted that. But uh, there's this graphic that they have that where the caption is the toilet thief, and it's a picture of Charlie Villanueva in a Mavericks jersey. And there's somebody in, like, a, like with their head covered up, holding a toilet in the background of his house. Like, that's just the graphic.
1: <laughs> so they have been doing... So Oh, so they go back and do throwbacks. Because you sent me one with Sun Yu, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I did. And there's one that's, like... <laughs> there's also one that's, like, a throwback to when uh, the the Sixers traded Kyle Korver for a copier machine on draft night. <laughs> And, there, and it's, like, a picture of Kyle Corbin in a Sixers jersey with a photocopy machine. Uh, and that's the graphic. And then there's there's, there's one where, like, uh, I'm trying to find, like, there's one where it's, like, a quote from a story about Markel Fultz where he says, like, he was so depressed that he, uh, when he was dealing with his shoulder stuff in Philly that he didn't even want to get up, and, or he just wanted to, like, just sit there and watch TV. And it's a picture, it's a graphic of... Uh, Markel Fultz laughing sitting on a couch with popcorn and holding a remote and then inset is a TV screen of like LeBron versus Giannis in the in the playoffs
1: so you appreciate the the details oh they yeah they, this.
0: they just go so literal it's like it's like it's like honestly and, and the other thing i like that they do is they will do these like profiles where it's like a uh like a uh like a, uh, like a 10 slide Instagram like we were, you know how you can like select multiple photos to go on the same post it's like a 10 slide thing where it's like meet Ronnie 2k this is like his story and they'll just like <laughs> take all these like social media like grifters that are just like like people there's this whole like underground world of like social like basketball social media influencers who have like a bazillion followers and I've like never heard of them or seen any of their content
1: they're all like basketball trainers on the side or or something. or there's
0: like there's this one where like there's this dude do you know that dude max is nice? that does like the impressions of players like that dude like i have never heard of that dude and he has a million followers on instagram
1: yeah no he turned that one thing into just like you know he blew it up
0: i have had like zero respect for that guy since uh (laughs) i saw the uh this one tweet that he had that was uh like during it was during the last dance they had the episode where uh it was where like like the whatever episode it was that, that talked about the final series against phoenix so it was like the charles barkley episode the the prime charles barkley was a problem steam face emoji episode max is nice had a tweet where he was like man i didn't even realize charles barkley was nice like that and i'm just <laughs> like first of all you're a basketball influencer guy like, who like has made a lot of money off of ba- basketball content and you didn't know that charles barkley was good until now like like it's not like he was like some obscure guy like i get that he's been the guy on tnt with the ridiculous takes for 20 years but like you really didn't know that charles barkley used to be a really really good basketball player but then also he's a white guy and he like tweeted i didn't realize he was nice like dad it's like come on man like what do what you do
1: <laughs> honestly if i had that big of a platform and i've been like monetizing off basketball i wouldn't even admit that if no. i didn't know that charles barkley was like an mvp player
0: right that's the thing like you didn't you didn't like you you're that big of a basketball influencer and you didn't know that like one of the 30 greatest players of all time used to be really good before he was on tv like like i just like that. it's just so easy for these grifters to just like get into the game like and like but like clutch points did a whole meet max is nice like this is a 10 slide story about his crazy backstory becoming an nba impersonator uh guy with a million followers on instagram so like i respect that they like bring attention to like these people because i would have never heard of them otherwise
1: so we are pro clutch points
0: oh absolutely i think they're like the I think they're like the spiritual successor to Free Darko. They're like the, it's like the most pure basketball art like avant garde content that's out there right now.
1: Yeah, I was a little skeptical when they started doing the virus particle Photoshops. <laughs> See, that's uh, incredible, but, but like, though, like but over time I'm like they're actually not like they're not malicious. Like no, they're not they're trying just... to poke fun at it. Like they're really just trying to provide a graphic that really reflects the story.
0: Well, you know what it is? It's like it's like a parody of like because back back in the day, my my first job in this industry was for for the win, which was like the USA Today, like BuzzFeed competitor thing where it's like just all this like social news stuff. And they were huge on like, man, we have to have these quote graphics that people are going to share on Facebook because that's how we're going to get engagement. Like that was their big thing. And it's like Clutch Points, you know, 10 years later is. Taking the same approach, but it's just the most literal and ridiculous stuff. And like the actual Photoshop skills are like, I honestly think that like one of the big outlets like Bleacher Report or Slam or like ESPN should hire the Clutch Points person and just have that be their editorial voice because they're just like the most cutting edge, innovative content creators in the game right now.
1: Yeah, shout outs to uh, for the win, uh, shout outs to Sports on Earth. Did they take down our archives?
0: I think our archives are gone because sports on earth just redirects to MLB.com. I have most of that stuff saved offline, but man, that was, that was the most fun job I've ever had.
1: Yeah. That's the thing too. Whenever a site uh, shuts down, um, I make sure to just go and save yeah. kind of my own articles. That's a really, honestly, that's a good tip for any writers online. Yeah. Cause your stuff, stuff just disappears after a while is all I'm saying.
0: I'm really happy that the Grantland archives are still up and I never wrote for Grantland. So that doesn't affect me personally, but I'm just glad that stuff is still up even if the site is not active. Oh anymore. yeah.
1: It's, it's good to go back and just like go and and read some of the old stuff. Um, yeah. what else is there? Oh, uh, Coachella 2030, uh, jerseys. Uh, yeah. did you, do you think some of these social uh, justice message jerseys might make the cut?
0: I think the Carmelo Anthony number double zero that says peace on the back is a big, is a strong one.
1: Yeah, I think that one's dope. Um, I think any of the Black Lives Matter ones would be cool. Well, I, but especially I, I the mean, Black
0: I... Lives Matter ones that are white, by white players. Like, that's extra cool. Like a
1: Matt Thomas or Kyle Korver.
0: Kyle Korver, Alex Caruso is wearing that. Zach Collins is wearing that on the Blazers. Like, I think that's cool.
1: Is Andre Iguodala picking group economics a troll move?
0: I don't know. I, what, what does that even mean, first of all?
1: I don't know. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, what are we promoting? That was like them um, throwing a ma-
0: bone to Spencer Dinwiddie because they wouldn't let him put Bitcoin point <laughs> or whatever he wanted on his jersey.
1: Um, yeah, no, we should educate ourselves on group economics. Do we shouldn't speak research. out of turn. Yeah, we, yeah our- we shouldn't speak out of turn after spending an hour uh, roasting all the NBA players. We
0: should We should do our own research.
1: <laughs> yeah. I feel like we should put that on a shirt, man. How's that not on a shirt yet? What, do um, your own
0: research? Yeah. And then it says quality go crazy on the back quality go crazy. i am I, I have not stopped thinking about that phrase since your episode with larry on monday i just like that's just the funniest thing to me
1: but you notice that too right i mean i don't oh, follow can... as many
0: sneaker influencers yeah you as probably you guys don't do. yeah. i'm not i'm not really yeah. in the sneaker game the way you guys are but like that's definitely something i've seen where it's like wow i can't like shout out to nike for giving me these these team jordans quality go crazy it's like oh, yeah okay
1: you can't stop, you can't unsee it after no, you realize it. <laughs> it's one of those things. <laughs> it's it's so still good. cracking me up. All right, um want to make some official uh predictions. Um what's your what's your finals prediction?
0: I have decided that I think Toronto is going to win the East. I'm going to I'm like going to be this. that guy. You know you know
1: I like Toronto. this. So yeah. so go give me give me 2 minutes on why you think it's going to be the Raptors and, and not the Bucks in the finals I,
0: i've just been big on toronto the whole year like that's i i don't like to give myself credit for predictions because like you get a lot of them wrong and you know predictions are just a dumb and like i hate doing them but early on in the season i was like you know what the Raptors had so much experience playing without Kawhi last year because he didn't play in half the games and he like had his minutes limited. And so all these guys have experience playing together without Kawhi. And they also had a really good record without Kawhi. And also just like, they're so deep and they're so well coached. And like you, it was obvious that like Siakam was going to make that leap. So I would have been big on Toronto the whole year. And now I kind of feel like just because they got down to Orlando early because they couldn't practice in Canada. Like, they got down there early, like a month before everybody else did. And they went through their whole training camp before getting into the bubble and had zero positive tests. I think they're just kind of built for it.
1: Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. And, you know, I feel like every guy on that team uh, got better Yeah, from last year. Yeah, and... Joachim,
0: Van Vliet, uh Norm Powell is having a really good year. Yeah,
1: even Kyle looks a lot better yeah. uh, than last year. Like, he's taken on, like, more of a scoring role. OG uh, Marcus was like, Sol... kind of
0: in the playoffs last year. And now he's like, he's had a really good year
1: yeah and people forget that like you know they're gonna add og to the rotation i think he's gonna be huge uh you know when he goes up against (laughs) guys that that rookie uh og ananobi went toe-to-toe with lebron james until he shot that uh game-winning shot og ananobi
0: was a cheat code steam face emoji
1: (laughs) steam face emoji (laughs) what is that emoji Uh, like
0: what is the what is the origin story of that emoji that
1: that is the quality go crazy of nba emojis man It's no, so the thing good. is you got to put, you got to put two steam faces though. One is not enough. I feel like
0: I've, I've been going with three. I've actually okay, yeah, been, three big sp- on, I've no, been big you, on, you have
1: to go, you have to go with more than one. Cause that's when you're really saying it with your chest. I feel like,
0: right. I've been, I've been going with odd numbers on stuff. Like the, the emoji that I've been big on the last year is the single eye emoji to basically be like, stay woke, but I won't do two <laughs> eyes. Cause then it looks like you're just tweeting like somebody with two eyes. Like you either have to tweet one or three.
1: Yeah, that's like, that's when your third eye is activated. Uh, absolutely. And open. Yeah,
0: that's, that's, that's my, that's been like my favorite emoji of the last, I it used to be like the purple, like smiling devil emoji, but now it's the <laughs> eye, like that, like that's my emoji.
1: Who are the Raptors playing in the finals?
0: I don't know. I guess the Lakers. I don't know. I'm just, the, the West is so, so like, all those teams are so bunched together. You could tell me that like six different teams make the finals in the West and I'd be like, okay, I could see it.
1: Yeah cuz you're trying to talk yourself into the Thunder going to the conference finals. It Who are they upsetting?
0: It would not shock me. Like I mean, I think is I think the Thunder like they they're, they're all, all those teams in the middle are like only separated by a couple of games. So the Thunder could get up to 3. I think they have to get out of like right now they're in 5. They're like half a game out of 4. I think they have to either get to 3 or fall to 6. Because I think they could beat anybody in a playoff series besides the Lakers.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm pretty high on the Thunder too. Who do you think is more likely to get upset before the conference finals, Lakers or Clippers?
0: Oh, not Clippers easily. There's just the, there, there's a lot more weird stuff going on with guys leaving the bubble and all, like and just all, the it's and the other thing is like the Clippers haven't had time to build all the chemistry that the Lakers have cuz the Lakers have just had all their guys the whole year whereas the Clippers like Kawhi hasn't played in back-to-backs, and Paul George missed the first month of the season recovering from the shoulder stuff. And then they've had guys in and out the whole year, and now Lou Williams is going to be out the first two games of the season when he's while he's quarantining. Like, I just, I don't know. I feel like when it comes down to the playoffs, I tend to lean towards the teams that know who they are and have all their guys and have had all their guys the whole year. That's why I like the Lakers and I like the Thunder, because that Thunder have just been consistent the whole year
1: yeah so raptors let's say raptors lakers uh in the finals and you have the raptors repeating as champions or what
0: you know what fuck it i don't care i like like, let's go i don't (laughs) i don't don't actually like make actual predictions and hold myself to them so you know what no let's let's
1: let's 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 be clear predictions are like the dumbest thing
0: they are because nobody will ever give you credit for the ones you get right but they'll always point out the ones you got wrong and then you are always going to point out the ones you got right and not uh acknowledge the ones you got wrong like they're just like i don't do predictions unless i'm asked to do them for money like like when bleacher report like we'll do like a you know at the beginning of the season they'll send all of us like hey will you do your predictions for who's gonna win all the awards and stuff and it's like yeah i'll do them because my outlet that i write for wants me to do them but i'm not gonna just be going out here like doing a twitter thread of like this is what all my predictions are like i just the the world doesn't need my predictions about stuff that's like not and the other thing is like we don't know who's gonna like it's so weird like it's always weird to make predictions but it's also just like especially right now it's so weird to make predictions because like there's no precedent for what is going to happen in the bubble like the uh the 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 thing this is like most like is the 99 lockout season where they basically played a 50 game season in two and a half months and then the knicks made the finals as an eight seed like this is if there's any year that i could just see something totally weird happening It's like this, like I, this is, this is a year where like, obviously if you look at it on paper, it's like, yeah, it's probably going to be the Lakers and the bucks. Those are the two best teams, but like this is the year where some weird stuff is going to happen. And one of those teams could get upset.
1: Yeah. Honestly, like, you know, I think me, like a lot of people are expecting Lakers Clippers uh, in the conference finals, but it would not surprise me at all. If that wasn't the case.
0: No. If like Dallas beats the Clippers in the second, in the second round, like I'd be a little bit surprised, but I wouldn't be like, Oh my God, there's no way I could have seen this coming. Because Luca and Perzingus have looked incredible in the scrimmages.
1: Yeah, so we've got the Raptors uh, finally slaying LeBron uh, to win back-to-back championships. Uh, before we go, uh, plug uh, Bulls versus Blazers. Uh, this is podcast, um, you know, co-hosted by Sean Hyken and Eric Anderson. And I've really enjoyed the return of Bulls versus Blazers. Uh, you guys crack me up, and uh, the vibe check is just such a great format
0: yeah that was just kind of, we didn't even like really plan that out we just kind of decided that we should do that and we just went with it and a lot of people liked it so we just kind of kept going with it. uh but yeah it's my buddy eric gunderson who is you know i he's like one of my like ogs in the game because i uh I've known him since college, and so we kind of came up together in the game. He's uh, right now he's running the LeBron Wire for USA Today because they have like the the like the wire sites. So he's doing that right now. He used to be the Blazers beat writer for the Colombian until they stopped having a Blazers beat writer, which is like one of the small papers here. But you know he's been in the game for a while, just like me. And you know we've we used to do this podcast. During we called it Bulls versus Blazers because that was a video game in the early '90s, but also because at the time he was on the Blazers beat and I was on the Bulls beat, and so it was just a good name for it, and a lot of people liked it. And we kind of stopped doing it at at, at some point because he got laid off by the Colombian and I like took the athletic job and started doing Locked On Bulls, so we just like didn't have time to do it anymore. But we've like, now that we have uh you know have all this time and also like we're in this pandemic and we're just kind of both in a place in our careers where we can do something like that again, we have brought it back. And so you just search Bulls versus Blazers on any podcast platform. We also have a Patreon, which is $3 a month, and you get an extra episode per week. So I think that's a pretty good deal. And also, like, while I'm plugging stuff, Eric has started doing a new Blazers newsletter. I don't really, like, write about the Blazers that much. I'm just It's one of those things where, like, you aren't a Raptors beat writer, but you just kind of write about them a lot because you live there. That's kind of how I am with the Blazers. I just live here, but I'm not really, like, covering the Blazers every day, per se. But... Eric has just started a new newsletter called Blazer Banter, which used to be the name of the Blazers blog on the Colombian, which he just like got the handle back for. So he started that. It's blazerbanter.substack.com. So if you want like Blazers coverage, you should go sign up for that. We're kind of trying to, I'm not involved in it. It's his thing, but I'm just like trying to help him grow it. So check that out too.
1: Yeah, no, check out Bolzer's Blazers. Uh, check out Eric's uh, Blazers newsletter. Uh, Sean and, and Eric are uh, some of the best dudes uh, in the business, man. Two steam face uh, emojis. Listen, Sean can it's always good to catch up. And yeah. uh, I guess next time we talk, uh, we'll be talking about real basketball.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Anytime.